The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions do apply. Get the details at winbet.com at wynnbet.com. Winbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is your home for free daily video picks from SGPN. It's like YouTube for sports gambling. So make sure to subscribe to our profile at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. We're also brought to you by Riffer. New sponsor today, Riffer is your home for mini podcasts from the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Subscribe to our Riffer channel today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Riffer. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Riffer, R-I-F-F-R, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Riffer. Okay, and welcome, everyone to a Wednesday morning edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast. I'm your host, ZB. It is 10.40 a.m. on the East Coast. We have a 13-game slate tonight. Looking forward to diving into that as well as a few other items. I am joined by Munaf. Munaf, I just saw you post a little uh, first five MLB total on my Twitter feed before we come on the show. Um, yeah. I know, so I know you're working hard. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. It's uh, it's exciting because we have both baseball and basketball going on. So, you know, I'm sitting down at the office and uh, by the time I look up, it's like three or four in the afternoon and, uh, you know, try to grind through these games and get these plays posted. But uh, good times, man. You know, it's it's April, winding down the NBA season, MLB season's in full swing. So, you know, let's, let's make some money. Exactly. And um, we're going to, Try out a couple more new segments today. So thank you all for bearing with us. We appreciate all the support we've gotten this season. Um, we got a big slate as well. So we'll be breaking down the Wednesday slate. And then to close the show, we're going to be checking. We're going to start a new segment where on each episode of the NBA Gambling Podcast, we're going to check in with each division. So we'll rotate through each show. And then that will give us a chance to kind of check back in with a group of teams without, and, you know, we'll give you their their stats and trends on how they've been performing gambling and non-gambling wise. Um and that'll kind of allow us to keep checking in with these teams um, from a, you know, a broader perspective. Um, last night in the NBA, few good games, very, very good Paul George game. I really enjoy watching him. He, he was absolutely dialed in and you had a player prop on him over 26 and a half points, which I saw you post. Yeah. Um, so that's a nice hit. Um, you know, really fun Celtics Blazers game as well. Um, so that was, yeah, that was Tuesday cool. night. Um, but let's get right into it here. Let's start off today with the daily fadeaway. Um, the fadeaway failed us yesterday. Not necessarily yeah. going to hold it against us because, like you said, the injury report, we kind of mistook that a little bit. The Jazz, obviously, they seem to be a little bit tired. I think we're seeing a lot of teams see the fatigue of this compressed schedule. But, Moonoff, mm-hmm. the daily fadeaway for today, go ahead and uh, let us know who it is. Yeah, so last time we went with OKC defense, and I'm going to kind of stay with that same, same storyline. And But this time, it's going to be the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves defense. Um, you know, we talked about with OKC and how we were fading, how bad the, that team was playing on the defensive end. 
And it quickly, just the daily fadeaway, just want to quickly expand on that and just say that these are going to be like games in like three or four spurts because it won't be a season long thing, right? Yep. So yep. It, it, those are the times to kind of take advantage of the books before they kind of catch up to what that team is doing. So the Minnesota Timberwolves over their last four games, they're allowing 132 and a half points per game to their opponents. And in that span, they're one and three against the spread, three and one to the over in the in those games. So, I I faded the Wolves defense yesterday against the Brooklyn Nets, and you know that one cash. I took the first half over, and then also the team total for the Brooklyn Nets, and then the Minnesota Timberwolves today. They take on another really good offensive team, tops in offensive efficiency, in the Milwaukee Bucks. So um, I had mentioned this in the Slack channel this morning before we got on is I placed the half a unit right now on the Milwaukee Bucks team total over 122, just waiting on some injury news for um, Giannis, if he's going to play or not. But regardless, I think even if he's out of the lineup, I think this team can really, um, really get the job done against this, uh, against his Minnesota, Minnesota Timberwolves defense. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, watching that Nets T-Wolves game yesterday, the Nets, in the three competitive quarters, right? Because it was such a blowout, 33 points in the first, 40 points in the second quarter, 31 points in the third with, you know, a depreciated Nets lineup, right? I mean, you had KD and Joe Harris out there, but also a lot of kind of their role players were getting into the action. The Nets were able to get up 31 assists on 46 field goals. That looked even even better, um, you know, prior to that garbage time fourth quarter where the Nets only put up 23 points, but... Yes, this this Timberwolves defense is very, very attackable. And they kind of – I mean, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing for them. I think they're kind of trying to find themselves on the offensive end. Obviously, that's going to be the identity of their team going forward with with Cat and Anthony Edwards. And, you know, that's a fine way to build your team, obviously. Really, the only defender on this team that I think is, you know, Meredith is uh, Jaden McDaniels. Yeah. And we saw how he even struggled with the matchup like KD last night. So, very, very, very um, – in agreement with you, daily fadeaway, and yeah, that's a that's a day game today, so that should be fun. Um, I kind of like that 4 p.m. tip yesterday with Net, with Nets T Wolves. Obviously, um, under the circumstances, our thoughts go out to the community in, in Minnesota and all that. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, and I, I think Cat didn't play yesterday because I think it was a one year anniversary that his mom had passed away. Yeah. Um, so you know, thoughts and prayers with Carl Anthony Towns. It's been a it's been a tough season for Minnesota and in the Carl Anthony Towns, but uh, you know, he was he he's starting to play at that all star level that we've seen him at. So, you know, I'm rooting for him for for the rest of the season and the rest of his career. So um really great guy and and hopefully um you know, he continues to play at the high level that we know he can play at. Yes, sir. And I will also shout out Anthony Edwards. Now average up to 18 points for the season, averaging 24 points in his last 10 games. So, you know, you're smiling. What's up? <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you watch some of his post-game interviews? Oh, I saw that. I saw that clip of A-Rod. was absolutely hilarious. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. I mean, me being like a baseball guy and then like, like, I know he's a young guy. He's only what, 20, 21 year, 19, 21, something like that. Now he's 19. But yeah. For, yeah. For, but still not to know who Alex Rodriguez is potentially as your new owner taking over after that, that was, that was kind of, he funny. had, he had to have been, I think he had to have been being slightly facetious. 
I think he was trolling a little bit. Yeah, I think he was trolling a little bit, but definitely an interesting foot to get off on with your new uh, team owner. Obviously, A-Rod, I I saw they had some good social media back and forth after, so at least he didn't take it personally. Um, Yeah. Another thing we're going to do before we get into the games, you had a blind resume that you want to throw at me. We're also going to hopefully, I don't want to spin this on you, but do a little MVP blind resume next week um, to break down that, to break down that race a little bit. Obviously, now with the – some injuries, some guys coming back. That's changed. But you had a blind resume you wanted to throw my way. So let's get into that before we get into the games for tonight. Yeah. So th- so I'm going to throw this blind resume at you, and then I guess we're trying to do like a role play, whether you would you would re-sign this coach to a new contract or would you hire a new coach and go in a different direction. Okay. okay. So this coach has been with this – particular team for nine seasons so i'm not going to include obviously this season's results and stats because we don't know where they're going to end up so so the previous eight seasons in those eight seasons he's had five regular season winning seasons he's made the playoffs in seven of those eight seasons and in those seven appearances in the playoffs he has one conference finals appearance two second round exits and four first round exits, including two sweeps and his playoff record in that time, 20 and 36 straight up. So in your mind, and I'll reveal who it is, or if you want to guess before, you know, we reveal who it is, would you go in a different direction with this coach or would you re would you resign him back to your team? So is it Terry Stotts? It is. Okay. It is. Okay. Um, you know, I think it's it, the. It's funny because when you look back, they they never really had a chance of winning a title throughout that whole that, that whole time, right? Yeah. I think the even throwing out the playoff appearances makes it seem a little better than it actually has been. Mm-hmm. And I would, you know, I gotta say, I think it's it. I, I think there might be a little bit of an issue in Portland right now, and not you know with this. You look at this team. I mean, they have a negative point differential this year, and that yeah. that. They've been able to do it all in the clutch, but in the clutch, right? That's Dame. That's not Terry Stotts, um, kind of guiding them. You, I, when I look at point differential and kind of their ability to overcome it, their their clutch scoring has been kind of what's carried them this year. Yeah. So, you know, in terms of, do I think you want to fire that type of coach? It's really tough because who out there are they getting that's better? But there also is the argument, and I was actually thinking about this last night while watching Blazers Celtics is do they just need some new blood in Portland? Right. I mean, they've had this sort of group entrenched there for so long. The ceiling has never been that high. They've obviously had, you know, some great regular season moments, some, some okay early round playoff moments, but you know, what's really the upside there. I'm not sure. What did you think about the, about about that decision going into next year? I, I think this has been one of the deepest teams that Portland has had in a while, right? We kind of take a look at three levels of bas- of kind of constructing a basketball team, right? We talk about rim protection. We talk about three and D guys, and then we talk about superstars and then your role players, right? Um, and then you're led by Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Okay. That, you know, Damian Lillard has really had to been like a hero for, for the Portland trailblazers in the past in their playoff appearances and sometimes in the regular season to kind of get this team where they were. We take a look at back in the bubble last year, this team was on the cusp of not making it to the playoffs. So they had to, I think, rattle off some crazy amount of games for them to win and get into the play in tournament and then win that tournament and play 
only the Lakers to lose in what five games in their first round. So, I, I mean, I think that there's there's something that they need to figure out, whether it's rotations on their team because. Like I said, when Damian Lillard comes off the off the floor, this team just this offense just kind of like it's it's like it's stuck in like quicksand or quick mud, and there's no flow. There's no you know somebody like taking over. And I think CJ McCollum needs to be that guy when he's not when Damian Lillard's on the bench. Um, I don't know if they need to bring him and Norman Powell together off the bench or, or, or I'm sorry, when in the second quarter leading that second unit when Damian Lillard's getting his rest or what it is. But I think it's it, it's a rotation issue right now for the Portland Trailblazers. And I would probably give him, if this same, same team comes back next season, I would probably give him one more one more season to see where he goes. If not, then I would probably make the decision to go in a different direction. Yeah, I mean, I think their whole team maybe needs to go in a slightly different direction if they want to kind of raise their ceiling, right? I mean, I think with Portland, there's also this quiet Dame Lillard, really. He he vaulted himself into the MVP conversation earlier in the season, and now he's kind of slowed down last 10 games. Only 23 points, uh, eight assists, four boards um, for him that he's been, you know, averaging, you know, 39% from the field. So hasn't been as good um, recently. You know, I think in terms of Terry Stotts, do you think I don't think that their organization has really shown a likelihood to sort of go in this direction? Yeah, and they haven't. I mean, you know, but I, I'm wondering if this was if this was any other team that he was coaching, would would this the, the team owner or the front office or in the management go in a different direction? because of the lack of success that they've had in the playoffs. I mean, we've seen, you know, I mean, they've made the playoff, like I said, seven out of his eight seasons that he's been there, but it really hasn't translated to success. So right now for this Portland team, it just kind of seems like their ceiling is that first or second round. And if you get a, a Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum that are shooting lights out, maybe a Western conference final appearance, but you know, I mean, it's. I think it's a tricky situation. That's just something that I want to kind of run by you and get your thoughts on, and 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 you know, determine or talk about what the Portland's future is. And we talked about it there. You know, do they go in a completely different direction? And you know, how much longer is Damian Lillard gonna want to be in a situation in Portland where they're not winning games? I mean, we know he's one of the most loyal guys in the NBA. But a lot of times for, for these players, it's about winning and it's about getting to the NBA finals and, and winning rings. So it's going to be interesting to see, again, another team to keep an eye on and what happens with them in the uh, NBA offseason. Yeah, I, actually, it's funny that you brought this up this morning because I was watching that Celtics-Blazers game last night and I was thinking about the possibility that Dame or CJ could be one of these big names that do tilt the offseason, right? It feels like everyone's kind of looking at Bradley Beal um, as like a – or maybe even Carl Anthony Towns, I think are the two names that have kind of been thrown out as like the tacit next guys to get moved. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously if Dame or CJ were to be in, enter into that conversation, more so Dame than CJ, that could obviously shift the title picture for next year. Um, yeah. And, I mean, obviously also before we get into the games, I do want to touch on the Jamal Murray injury because oh, yeah. um, that was obviously really tough. Um, you know, injuries are part of the game, but that one definitely – you know, sucked a lot of the juice out of this Denver season. They obviously made yeah. the 
go ahead and move to trade RJ Hampton in a first round pick for Aaron Gordon. That kind you obviously would love to have that back right now, um, yeah. knowing that you're probably not going to be a contender this year. And it affects him in the regular season next year. I mean, not much else to say other than it just sucks um, for him personally and for for the Nuggets. I, I still think that they can be a competitive team in the West. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think they'll be able to compete with some of these other teams, just not at a Clipper-Laker level. Yeah, I mean, when we take – I mean, it was just devastating. I mean, he was yeah. one of my favorite players to, you know, watch. Um, but you kind of take a look at what he did in the uh, playoffs last year, especially against Utah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, he, he was playing out of his mind. But even against, you know, the um, the Clippers and, and the Lakers, you know, got him all the way to the conference finals. So now it's it's when you lose one of your two best players – you know, now you're going to have to kind of rely on guys like Monte Morris and, uh, dare I say, Will Barton. So, um, but I, I think, I, I obviously think this will make the playoffs, but now maybe Aaron Gordon takes a, a bigger leap in the offense by helping, you know, scoring and taking some of that pressure off of Jokic. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., like we've talked about, he's been playing phenomenal this season. So maybe another step for him to kind of take up to kind of will this Denver Nuggets team. But, as far as betting odds, I mean, I saw. I think it was a. a I think it was either MGM or, or the or the Westgate that had moved his um the sorry the Nuggets NBA title odds to about a yeah. hundred and one. So, yeah. you know, that kind of tells you everything that you need to know. But you know, hopefully, Murray can come back of uh, uh, you know healthy again, and 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 hopefully we can see him next season. So. You know, pushing him a speedy recovery from that uh, from the from the injury. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I do think Monte is definitely a guy I want to look at for player props. You know, I was for checking sure. back in with his performance last year when Jamal Murray did miss some time as well last year. I do think that Monte Morris can be, you know, a fifteen points, five assists type guy. So we uh, actually gonna be interesting to see kind of where he's at. The Nuggets host the Heat tonight in their first game. You know, moving forward mm-hmm. without Jamal Murray, so. We will definitely check in with Monte Morris's player prop lines there. Yep. Let's take a quick break here, and then we're going to come back with the Wednesday night slate for tonight. Today's episode of the NBA Gambling Podcast is brought to you by WinBet. WinBet is bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports games with generous promos, odds, and parlays happening right now at WinBet. Get started today, and you'll receive a special offer of up to $500 risk-free sports bet. Terms and conditions do apply. Get the details at winbet.com. That's W-Y-N-N, bet.com, and download the app today. Looking at the win bet lines for tonight, as you probably will hear from Munaf and I later, we like an over in this Indiana-Houston game. So go get down at winbet. Get your free bet, winbet.com. Okay, coming back off the break, we have a loaded slate for tonight, so let's dive headfirst right into it. Um, are you seeing a line for this Milwaukee-Minnesota game? Uh, uh, let me quickly see here. Yeah, because I locked in a... Uh, okay, I got it, I got it. Yeah, Milwaukee. So sorry about that. Um, nine, yeah. Yeah, Milwaukee is laying nine in Minnesota. Total is at 236 and a half. Um don't know, like you said, there's some questions on the injury report, but I kind of like uh, the the T-Wolves plus the nine here off the bat. Hopefully you get Cat in there, though. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, the biggest question for this game is obviously the two best players are on the floor. Are they going to play or not, right? Giannis, I did see a note yesterday that he did practice. Um, so that might be a good sign for the Milwaukee Bucks. And then also Carl Anthony Towns, uh, who took a personal day yesterday, um, that didn't play against Brooklyn. So, um, you know, hopefully those two guys can go tonight. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the way, like I said, we were talking about on the daily fadeaway is how this T Wolves, uh, offense is playing. I mean, sorry, their defense is playing, you know, with the firepower that the Bucks have on offense, you know, I kind of want to go with the Bucks here, but this 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 Minnesota Timberwolves team is a completely different team when Carl Anthony Towns is on the floor. So, um, you know, just make sure. I know this game is at three thirty uh, uh, Central Time, four thirty Eastern Time. Just make sure to check that injury report if you do decide to bet on this game. But I'm I'm leaning with the Bucks here uh, on the road against Minnesota, just because of how bad the the Minnesota Timberwolves defense has been playing. Yeah, definitely. We had them on daily favorites. Maybe look at that Bucks team total. It is high at 122 and a half. Yeah. Um, don't need to spend too much time on that game, obviously, with the uncertainty. Let's go to um let's go to Philly here, where a game that we hope would be would be one of the best games of the season now probably doesn't look like it will uh, yeah. reach that reach that caliber. The Nets, as of right now, are a seven point dog in Philly, but mm-hmm. obviously uncertainty on the Nets injury report. Um KD, I doubt he plays in this game just because back to back, back to back, and with him in the, in the injuries. So seven maybe feels a little bit light um, it, it, yeah. with that regard. Um, total is at two twenty seven. What are your initial impressions of this matchup here? Yeah, well, well for sure we know Harden is out. Um, you know, and Kyrie took uh, took some more PTO um, from the team. <laughs> I mean, that guy, that guy gets the most PTO of any. Uh, uh, worker in America, but um, you know, if he's not able to go in, obviously we know Harden is going to be out also. Yeah. I, I think this will be failure pass for me. Um, I like we had mentioned when we were previewing this, we we're talking about this game on our Monday pod that I think this is a game that's bigger for the Philadelphia 76ers than it is for the Brooklyn Nets. And uh, uh, you know, I, I think the Sixers will come out, take care of business and, you know, add a more of a cushion to that number one seat in the Eastern conference. So Minus seven for for the uh, for me for uh, betting on this game with the Sixers. Yeah, I do. I do like this seven. I will say I'm seeing the uh, seven tick up to minus one fifteen in front of me. So maybe a little bit of Nets action coming in. But I agree. I think the six. I mean, there's kind of this mind game, and we're going to talk about both these teams later when we t- when we discuss the Atlantic Division in depth. But um, mm-hmm. I think there's kind of this mind game here where Brooklyn is like, we really don't give a fuck about the regular season. And I think Philly, as yeah. kind of the younger team, you know, obviously they've been around in the Eastern Conference contention for longer, but the Nets have these established veterans that the Sixers, I think, kind of would have preferred this game to be that showdown, right, where they're at home and they can kind of send a message mm-hmm. to the Nets. And then the Nets are kind of playing this cat and mouse. So they're like, all right, we're not going to play any of our stars. Um, yeah. So I do think that's kind of an interesting dynamic here. And with that being the case, I do think the Sixers are going to be plenty motivated here to lay the smack down. And, yeah, they want the – the, the Sixers do not want the Bucks in the second round. I mean, I think the Nets yeah. don't want them either, but the Nets, I think, are a little more confident that they can beat anyone if they're healthy, and that's kind of right. their main concern. The Sixers, I mean, Sixers, Bucks, I, I would probably take the Bucks in that series if I, had to, if I actually had to make a pick right now. Um, so okay. definitely do like the Sixers uh, minus a seven here, but stay tuned on the injury report. Let's go to a game 
a lot of injury questions here on the slate. Just now seeing I have the, I have the 830 report from last night. That's still up here. Let's go to Charlotte where the Hornets are laying three and a half here at home to the visiting Cleveland Cavaliers. Total is at 213 and a half. The Hornets took a bad loss last night to the Lakers at home in a game they were leading um, at the half and then, you know, inexplicably kind of slowed down. They're still dealing with some injuries. They ha- had no Rozier last night in addition to the, mm-hmm. you know, bigger injuries that they've had. So where are you going with this uh, three and a half point number here? What do you mean a bad law? Lo- oh, bad laws. I mean, Lakers got the victory, so it helped me a little more. My regular season. There you go. Uh, I, I actually I saw um, <laughs> Jonathan Von Tobel is someone who posts a lot of good uh, NBA betting content on Twitter. Yeah. He's been posting like, the needed records. Yeah. And I saw you need you need the Lakers to go out like thirteen and five down the stretch. So I actually yeah. was th- I was thinking of you while I was watching the Hornets uh, let go of that game in the second half. Yeah, um, you know, like you mentioned for this game, uh, you know, a lot of injury questions right here. Uh, we don't know if um, uh, Terry Rozier is going to go. He's, he's He has a bothersome knee. Same thing with P.J. Washington with an ankle. Both guys are listed questionable right now. And then sex land for uh, the Cavaliers, you know, growing issue for Sexton and Garland for, for uh, with his ankle injury. So, um, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, this is not one of the more prettier games. My numbers do say Charlotte by three, and that is what the line is right now. Um, but you know, I think if Rozier's not able to go for the uh, for the Hornets, I, I want to take a stab at the Cleveland Cavaliers if one of two, if Garland or Sexton are able to go. Um, again, you know, we're going back and forth with so many injury questions. So you know, again, reiterating check the injury report before you're, you're betting these games because, you know, last night when we took Utah, I completely forgot to check the injury report and they had three other, you know, bigger guys and role players that were out. So, um, you know, gun to my head, I'll take, uh, I'll take Cleveland plus the three here tonight. Yeah, I think I would probably go that direction too. Um, this Hornets team, I mean, last night, that that's the kind of loss that, you know, I think – kind of shows where they're at as a team and they're kind of fading off that slightly above average tier going a little bit, you know, starting mm-hmm. to fall a little bit off that. Obviously they've, you know, they've survived a little bit here. They had a couple nice wins um, in the last week, but now back-to-back home losses to the Lakers and the Hawks. Um, now with the yeah. Cavs coming to town, I mean, yeah, it feels like a good spot to take the three and a half, you know, if this line, and obviously you don't want to speculate too much, but if this line is up, and the injury report's not yet submitted. I think there's a good chance that one of these guys is going to play for Cleveland, right? I mean, yeah, like without without both of them, I, I don't see how you're getting to this this three and a half point number. Cleveland, you know, they've mm-hmm. con- they've kind of continued doing their thing. They had that loss to the Pelicans at home in a game where they were leading going into the fourth quarter, and that was another Zion Williamson uh, master performance. So. Yeah, I agree. I'll go with the Cavs here plus three and a half. Any thoughts on the total of two thirteen and a half? Yeah, I, mean, I would probably lean to the under here a little bit. Um, you know, I, Larry, I see Larry Nance and Jared Allen are active for tonight. So I think that gives them, you know, length and rim protection there against uh, against the Hornets. So I think they would, you know, really have to knock down their three-point shots and their jump shots for Hornets to win this game. So being on a back-to-back situation, you know, do they shoot better tonight? I mean, that, I think that that'll be the question to see, but I would probably lean with the under here tonight. Yeah, agreed. And good to have Larry Nance back. Um, mm-hmm. He was dealing with some sort of illness issue. And yeah, yeah. checking the 
Garland and Sexton both questionable on the official. Allen and Nance are both probable, and the Hornets haven't yet to submit their injury report. Um, okay. So, um, yeah, stay tuned on that one. Make sure you're checking the injury reports as always. Let's go to Toronto, where the Spurs are a four and a half point road favorite in Toronto. Um, the Raptors kind of continuing to fall off. They lost at home to the Hawks last night. A Trey Young list Hawks team um, at home last yeah. night. Now the Spurs come into town, laying four and a half. Total is at 222. Munaf, where are you going with this game here? Yeah, another game with, you know, question or uh, at least injuries. You know, we do see yeah, that. The, Fred the, 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 Van... theme for, the theme for today is definitely the injury report, I would say. Yeah, so I might just have that like projected on one of my screens over here just to see if it keeps updating. Um, you know, yeah, we do see uh, Van Vliet is out for this game. Um, I don't know, man. I, it's getting hard to like handicap these games. Let me check my numbers for this game at least. Uh, it's indicating like Toronto should be a one-point underdog, but again, you know, with the way this Toronto team has been playing – I'm not sure I want to back them right now. And, you know, the Spurs are still in that Western Conference uh, playoff picture, at least, you know, trying to get into that play-in game. Um, and San Antonio's been playing well here a little bit. You know, got that, like we mentioned, they got a big victory against the Dallas Mavericks the other night on that DeMar DeRozan buzzer beater. Um, and they went into Orlando and got the W there. So I think I'm going to go with the San Antonio Spurs here tonight, you know, uh, DeMar DeRozan going up against his former team, you know, maybe some extra motivation there for him to kind of get the W, possibly take a look at his player props tonight, but I'll lean with the uh, San Antonio Spurs here tonight. Yeah, that's a good point about DeMar DeRozan. I definitely think he's someone who could have some success here. Um, the Raptors, you know, they kind of are reshaping their team a little bit. It's, you know, I, I like Malachi Flynn, someone I really like for them, but um, they don't have that same nasty on the defensive end. Bogdanovich was able to have a lot of success, as was Kevin Herter last night against them, as was honestly Brandon Goodwin. Yeah. All, all of the Hawks guards are able to play well against this Raptors perimeter defense. So DeMar DeRozan, definitely someone I could target here. Um, yeah, again, with the injury questions, hard to make a pick on the side. Um, yeah. I, I would maybe lean toward this under at 222. Feels a little bit high, especially for the Raptors coming on a back-to-back. Um, and the Spurs, you know, are friendly to playing a kind of a slower pace here. So, um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, when you, we see these teams on back-to-back situations, quickly, I want to mention Toronto three and nine against spread on back-to-back situations. Okay. So, um, you know, signs are kind of pointing towards you know San Antonio if you're, if you're solely going based off of that stat. So, um. In San Antonio, we take a look at their road record against the spread this season: six, sixteen, and seven against the spread on the road. Uh, six and three against the spread on the road as a home. Uh, sorry, as a road favorite. So, um, you know, San Antonio is having success on the road this season as far as against the spread. Um, uh, as far as the total, yeah, I mean, you know, we could possibly see San Antonio Spurs clamping down on defense. Their offense has been playing well. I will say that you know they dropped a hundred and. 20, oh, sorry, 119 yeah. against the Denver Nuggets and 119 against the Mavericks and then 120 against the Orlando Magic. So, um, yeah, I'll take Spurs minus four and a half and lean to the under on this game. Yeah, I actually do kind of like that Spurs minus four and a half, especially with that back in the trend. I will say, you know, if you look at some of what's been coming out about the schedule and how com- how cramped it's it's been with so many teams playing now, like three games in four nights and, you know, six games and eight nights and all that, like – 
just zooming out for a bit, the injury report is going to be a theme the rest of this year, I think. Like, the more I think about it, I mean, we have a 13-game slate last night or tonight, and it wasn't even a quiet slate last night. I think we had, what, like seven games last yeah. night too. So yeah. um, this is going to be a theme going forward, and I, I am a little worried about – I mean, not that you can blame the Jamal Murray injury on, you know, load management or anything like that, but, you know, it's a freak accident. But there are definitely a lot of stress on these players right now. So – you know, shout out to them for continuing to put the product on the floor. I, I saw Jimmy Butler almost had a nasty ankle turn last night. That was very concerning, yeah. but he was able to he was able to come back. Um, I saw you were on the Suns as well there, so that's a nice hit for you. Um, yeah, let's go to uh, next game. Actually, with an injury report here, the Magic visit the Chicago Bulls, who are laying nine and a half at home. Total is 217. The Bulls have been struggling a little bit, but I feel like this might be a good spot for them to flex their muscle here um, at home against a, a really inferior opponent. Garrett Temple probable, which would give them a totally cleaner injury report coming into today. Um, Magic still obviously with that roster, you know, continuing with what they're building. The Bulls coming in off a loss in Memphis. They kind of need one here. I yeah. like the Bulls minus the nine and a half here. How about you? Yeah, 100% agree. I mean, we take a look at Orlando now, six straight losses. Um, and now they're going up against the Chicago team. Like you mentioned, fully healthy. You know, hopefully they get Temple back here so they have their full squad ready to go. And, you know, Vucevic, who has familiarity with the Orlando Magic and what they can run, you know, possibly could help with that, you know, kind of the game plan against this Orlando team. Yes. Um, so, um, you know, I think this should be a, a good victory for, for the uh, Chicago Bulls here tonight. I do want to mention a player prop for this game is probably maybe a little revenge revenge angle for uh, Wendell Carter Jr. as part of that Vucevic trade. You know, I currently see his points, rebounds, and assists at 24 and a half. So, um, you know, and he stepped into that starting lineup and he's playing about, you know, close to 30 minutes a night. So, you know, with that revenge angle in mind, you know, hopefully he has a big game here tonight against the Chicago Bulls and his former team. So, uh Point three bounce and assist Wendell Carter Jr. over the 24 and a half. Okay, I, I like that. I like that play here. And obviously, we've seen this Bulls defensively. They've struggled, obviously, since the acquisition of Vooch. You know, losers of three straight, mm -hmm. three and seven in their last 10. This is definitely not what they envisioned um, coming into this. So I'm looking yeah. forward to talking about them when we get to talk about the uh, Central Division in the East. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I do like the Bulls here, minus the nine and a half. And definitely, um, as a potential money line parlay leg, I'm looking up and down the slate here, maybe with the Bucks, the Clippers. Uh, there's some intriguing spots um, elsewhere. Any thoughts on this total at 217? No, not much for this total. I mean, yeah, I, don't, I really don't have an opinion. I mean, I don't know where we're going to get. We don't. We don't know what we get from Orlando night in and night out, right? I mean, yeah, we, we had talked about last game against the Spurs and and we said that you know it are are the Orlando Magic going to be able to keep up with the scoring to hit an over and I think he hit it right at 217 so you know Spurs had to carry the heavy load in that in that um in that game for the total but I think going off of that maybe a Chicago Bulls team total here 113 I think that's something that they can do with the firepower that they have on offense with Zach Levine and Vucevic and the shooters and the playmakers that they do have we see Orlando struggling on defense on 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 um, on the opposite side. So possibly, you know, if you don't like the full game, uh, full game total, possibly look at Chicago Bulls that one thirteen over uh, team total. Yes, and Orlando giving that up in six of their last seven to their opponents. So 
definitely could be a good look for tonight. Um, let's take a quick break here, and then we'll come back with the back half of the slate. Today's episode of the NBA Gambling Podcast is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas, it's like YouTube, but for what hashtag Degens only care about, and that's sports betting. We're giving out free daily video picks over on our Better Than Vegas profile page. And Better Than Vegas is always running a ton of free contests as well. They have a ton of free picks and handicappers for you guys to check out. Love these guys. Make sure to subscribe to our profile so you don't miss a pick. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. Sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. Okay, coming back off the break, we have... Eight games left. Wow, this is a big slate. Or seven. I can't do math. Yeah, um, seven, I, <laughs> I cannot do math, but I do know that the New York Knicks are visiting the New Orleans Pelicans, where the Pelicans are a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. Total is at 219. Definitely excited for this game here. Um, Munaf, where are you going with this one? Yeah, I think this is one of the more exciting games here tonight, right? Yep, I mean, definitely. we have two guys or two teams with – some young players uh, facing off against each other. Let me kind of take a look at the injury report here. If, if we have, uh, we have Lonzo Ball doubtful. Otherwise, doubtful. Real, okay. otherwise, pretty clean, pretty clean, right? And then everybody we have we have everybody going for New York. Um, yeah, I mean, kind of sneaky. Do like New York here as they rode underdog. Um, currently, it was we're seeing the line at three, two and a half. I'm, you said two and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of, if this number gets to three, I do like the New York Knicks. Um, you know, like we've mentioned said offseason, this this team is is a, 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 they're frisky. They, they, they play, they play hard for Tibbs. You know, uh, Julius Randle, again, has been playing, playing an all-star level all season. Possibly a revenge angle for him too, right? He was with the New Orleans Pelicans and they didn't, they decided not to re-sign him, correct? Tibbs? No, no, uh, Julius Randle. He was. Oh, Julius Randle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Julius Randle. Yeah. So you know, maybe take a look at his uh, points, rebounds, and assists for tonight. Um, yeah. And write that one down. Let me see if I can pull it up here real quick. But as far as the game against the spread, I do like New York Knicks here, and also kind of sneaky do like the over in this game. Um, you know, <clears throat> we've seen sorry, um, the Pelicans' defense struggling here over their last couple games. I mean, they had a low scoring game against the the Sixers, but. Uh, Cleveland, they gave they you know that one went down to the wire. They that one got over against Sacramento. They gave up, they scored 117, gave up 110. Um, and then New York on the flip side, you know R.J. Barrett, the guy you know you've talked about and how well he's been playing as of late. So I think the matchup between R.J. Barrett, the backcourt of the Knicks against this Pelicans defense is going to be really something, really something to watch here tonight. Um, so for me, I would probably take that minus three in the over for this game. Yeah, this is going to be a fun game to watch. Um, and also you get the R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson kind of Duke, uh, not revenge yeah, angle, but those guys were college teammates. I'll probably mm-hmm. lean with the Pelicans here. Um, you know, they've won three straight at home. Both these teams have won three straight coming in. Um, Pelicans probably, I mean, neither really that impressive. Knicks, uh, you know, hit. Memphis, Toronto, and that beat up Lakers team, Pelicans, Sixers, Cavs, and Kings. Um, you know, with, with the Knicks, I feel like they've kind of been up and down all year. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it, it kind of translates to this 28 and 27 record. But they've, it feels like they've, you know, 
you know, win three straight, lose three straight. And in fact, the last time they won three straight game, they pot, they promptly lost three straight to follow it up. You know, they've had a lot of streaks of two or three games here. Um, so I do kind of like the Pelicans here at home. Um, okay. one thing I will say, definitely very excited to see, uh, Zion Williamson clashing with Nerlens Noel at the rim tonight. Yeah, um, that's going to be fun. That's going to be fun to watch. I mean, Nerlens Noel quietly been one of the better defenders in the NBA this year, and mm-hmm. we know Zion, you know, brings that rim pressure relentlessly. So, we're going to talk about the Knicks a little bit more later in the show, but um I do kind of like the Pelicans here minus the two and a half. I mean, okay. it feels like feels like right about on par. I expect this to be a close game. So, yeah. looking forward to watching this one. Anything else on this game here? Yeah, quickly just want to mention, uh, kind of retracting back to the total, um, you know, over the last five games, I kind of like looking at these recent trends. Both of these teams are, uh, they are top 10 in defensive rating. New York Knicks, number four, and the New Orleans Pelicans, surprisingly, at number nine. So, um, you know, now kind of coming back and looking at that, I, um, you know, I'd probably stay away from the total um, for tonight. As far as pace, you know, in the last five games, New York is at 22 and the Pelicans are number two in the league. So it's just going to, I think now that in looking at that, it's going to kind of see which team is kind of controlling the pace if they're getting up and down because all season we've seen the New York Knicks, they don't like pushing the pace and then they kind of like getting into that half court set with Julius Randle and RJ Barrett and kind of working their offense that way. And we know Tibbs is a, a defensive minded head coach. So he's really going to want to, you know, have these guys playing hard defense tonight against the uh, Pelicans. Agreed. Agreed. Um, Okay. Let's go to Detroit where uh, the Clippers come into town. The Clippers coming off a nice win uh, without Kawhi Leonard last night in Indiana. Clippers laying eight on the road in Detroit. Total is at 218 and a half. Pulling up the injury report here, pretty clean for Detroit. Looks like they'll have Jeremy Grant back uh, with the Clippers, maybe Kawhi in, Paul George out. Kind of seems like that's a little bit what they've been doing here. Um, but any thoughts on this game at Clippers minus the eight? Yeah, I'll keep this one simple. I mean, I've been backing this Clippers team on back-to-back situations. Oh, the yeah. Numbers are backing it up. Not, yeah, nine and one against the spread in back-to-back situations. So give me the Clippers minus minus eight all day here. And then I think if George is out, I think one of Kawhi, Kawhi, or Kawhi will be in. And if he wasn't going to play, I don't think he would be with the team on this road trip, small road trip here. So, um, you know, with regardless if, you know, one guy in or one guy out or both guys in, I, I do like the Clippers minus eight tonight. Yeah, and these teams did just play the other night. You know, a fun game. Definitely the the Pistons fought really hard. The Clippers put them away late in the fourth quarter. But, you know, the the Pistons did shoot 47% from three in that game, kind of uncharacteristic. And the Clippers obviously shot it really well, too. But um, Uh And they they struggled with turnovers in that game. They didn't have Kawhi Leonard. So I would probably lean with the eight as well. The Clippers, I think, quietly are looking like the best team in the West right now outside of the healthy Lakers. Um, I mean, they, yeah. I, I don't, that's not a hot take, obviously, but they've been playing really well six games in a row, uh, winning eight and two in their last 10. Now, you know, closer to the Suns and Jazz than they are to the Nuggets and Lakers in that three-hole in the, in the Western Conference. So this should be a solid game tonight. Um, next up, we have our daily fadeaway Um in action tonight again on a back-to-back kind of feels like you know maybe the people got a little dissuaded by the jazz not hitting last night do we come back with the warriors warriors are 11 point 
uh, road favorites in OKC, total at 223.5. More importantly, 117 is the Warriors team total, and you have Steph Curry in the lineup. So um, thoughts on this matchup here? Yeah, I mean, going back to last night, I mean, who saw Dort scoring 42 points last night? I mean, (laughs) you know, good for him, though. But, I mean, you know, he got off to a scorching start in that first quarter. I think he had, like, 18 points, and he was, like, 4 or 4 from downtown. So, but not before, you know, uh, in towards that second half or second quarter towards halftime, you know, Utah was getting a little separation. They kind of pulled away in the third, and then they kind of made a run back. So that was an interesting game to watch. It was a little painful, but, um, you know, you know, let me take a look at what the Oklahoma City Thunder do on back-to-back situations here. They're 4-7-1 and one against the spread on back-to-back situations. Um, I, I, I think I want to stay with Golden State here, Um Tonight, I know it's a double digits on the road, and it's kind of frowned upon in, in the betting world. But Oklahoma City Thunder at home this season nine eighteen and one against the spread uh, at home, and then nine eighteen and one against the spread as a home underdog. So not much success for the Oklahoma City Thunder at home this season. And Golden State Warriors, I mean, it's all about Steph Curry right now, right? I mean, this guy. He's playing out of his mind right now, and mm-hmm. and that's the guy that I don't want to get in front of right now. Uh, possibly will be continuing to play his player props right now. It is listed at thirty two and a half for Curry, and maybe also looking at like I said, just points prop and possibly his three point shooting. But I'll lay the points tonight with the Golden State Warriors. It's it's getting a little chalky for me, but um, you know, with the way the Warriors are playing, I think they do want to get into the playoffs, and you know, we want to see. Steph Curry in the playoffs and what what this guy can do. So so give me the Warriors here tonight. Yeah, Steph, obviously that amazing game against the uh, the Nuggets kind of got overshadowed overshadowed by the Jamal Murray injury, but Steph was completely dialed in. So you know I I do kind of like that over thirty two and a half. Just feels like I mean he's kind of making this late push. He obviously passed Wilt Chamberlain as the all time leading Warrior scorer. That was a cool moment, mm-hmm. and so he's kind of making this late. You know. Oh yeah, I'm still I'm still Steph Curry um, okay. narrative. So I, I will I will go with Steph Curry over to 32 and a half, and then I will also go with the Warriors team total over 117. I mean it's the it's the daily fadeaway. We're still in that three to four day spurt, so I will keep it going. Um, there you go. Any other thoughts on this matchup here? No, no, not much. I mean it's 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 a Steph Curry show right now, so I'm gonna happily keep backing that. It's a Steph Curry show, and definitely, I mean, this is going to be a phenomenal league pass night, but low-key, not that many great games. You know, there's a just a, you know, a ton of um, bigger spreads. The, or not, not pl- Go ahead. You know, I was just going to say, the player props keep it interesting every night, even exactly. if it's like dud games, you know. So uh, I think that that's one of the fun parts of, of, of betting the NBA is that you don't, you don't always have to bet on the total or, or the spread. You know, if you're getting on these player props, you know, you still have some entertainment for the game. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I actually it was funny. I was tracking that Jazz team total on my phone last night, and I saw, you know, they opened the game with like a twenty-two point quarter, then they were kind of getting back onto pace. I think they had eighty-eight going into yeah. the fourth, and I was like, all right, I'm just not going to check my phone because the game was already basically over, and I'll just check it after. And they scored like fifteen points in the, in the yeah. fourth quarter or something like that. Yeah, that was um, a tease. <laughs> it was a, a major tease, but that's part of the fun. Yeah, let's go to Houston where the Rockets are. Four and a half point dogs at home to the Indiana Pacers coming into town. Indiana, you know, looking 
like they're taking kind of a new new direction. Karis Levert, you know, has been very, very major for them. He's kind of looking at the main guy. Totals at 233 and a half. Taking a look at the injury report here for the Rockets. Um, you know, the usual Rockets uh, seven-man injury report. Um, but <laughs> looks look, but looks like you do have John Wall, Kevin Porter Jr., Christian Wood, Kelly Olenek. So some of the main guys are in. Um, where are you going with this matchup here, Munaf, with your hometown Rockets? Yeah, I don't have much on the spread here, but I love the over in this game here tonight. And then there's like some key things I kind of quickly want to mention that are backing this up. Um, you know, I, I did have the Clippers and the Pacers over last night and, and that one, you know, relatively cashed easily. But we take, I, I mentioned this on the, on the Monday pod and I said, you want to take a look at what the Indiana Pacers are doing on the offensive side and they're getting the ball and just pushing it down the floor. I mean, they're getting shots up in five to seven seconds. And over their last five games, number one in pace in, in the entire NBA, um, they have it, and that their defensive rating at that time is at a 115.9. Uh, that's rated at number 22, so bottom half of the league. So when you have a team not playing defense, pushing the ball down the floor, that's going to you know translate to a lot of points. So I love this over tonight. And then another stat that I did quickly did some research on the other night was when John Wall and Kevin Porter Jr. are playing together, uh, the Rockets uh, games go five and one to the over in that in that span. In a small sample, but, you know, Kevin Porter Jr., we've talked about, a, he could potentially turn into a pretty good player, maybe star-level potential for the Rockets. And John Wall, we know what he can do um, on both sides of the floor, but... Kelly Olenek, another guy that has, seems like he's fitting pretty well with the Rockets here. And I yep. don't, you know, if the contract is right, I wouldn't mind keeping this guy around on this Rockets team for the future. But definitely love this over. And I did post this in the Slack channel last night. Is uh, <clears throat> Sorry, right when this number came out in the first half, took it over at 118. Uh, currently, I think at last I saw it, the, the number was up to 119. So um, definitely love this over at 234 uh, for this full game. Yeah, I, I like that a lot as well, actually. I mean, the Rockets have kind of shown a little bit more that Steven Silas, kind of what we thought they were going to be, you know, getting up these games in the 120s recently. Um, so I do like that. You know, we saw the Pacers really struggle with with dealing with the Clippers offense last night. Not that the Rockets are the Clippers, but that, you know, they have similar kind of personnel that can spread you out a little bit. Um, and, yeah, I mean, when I, w- I will say um, – with this Rockets team, that that Suns second quarter bet that I kind of hinted at, but didn't actually full on go, that did hit again. Uh, Rocket yeah. the Rockets with another minus fourteen second quarter, um, and mm-hmm. you know the second unit with uh, DJ Wilson and Kenny Martin Jr. and Armani Brooks. I mean, it's just not really up to par with kind of similar to what we've been saying with the OKC Thunder. Yeah. Um, so that might be another thing to you know if you're watching this game, you get in on the Pacers live when these Rocket starters go to the bench, but. Definitely on board with that over. Again, no really thoughts on the side. Don't know who's going for Indiana yet. Um, any other thoughts on this game? We want to keep trudging along here. No, we can ch- keep chugging along. We yeah, let's keep going. Uh, to get to big slate. Yeah, big slate. Three more games. Thank you for sticking around for the show. This is one of the better games on the slate, though. Let's go to Memphis, where the Mavericks are in town. Mavericks laying two points on the road. Total is at 225 and a half. Munaf, where are you going with this game? Two teams in the back half of the Western Conference playoff picture. 
Yeah, and this is going to be one of those games where it's going to be super important for both games or for both teams, right? You talked about how they're fighting for playoff uh, playoff positioning, and um, you know Memphis. We've seen that what they they're capable of. I mean, I think it's kind of interesting that we still haven't seen uh, Triple J back for this team yet. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, you know, it's almost been a full season now, but um, you know. Dallas is on a two-game losing streak here, so I think they kind of want to get back to their winning ways here tonight. I'll lay the two two points with uh, Dallas here tonight against Memphis. My gut is telling me Memphis, but my head's telling me Dallas, and I'll go with my head tonight. Um, You know, I think this should be a good game for for Luka to bounce back and kind of lead the way for this team here tonight. Um, You know, this is a division game, so... the thing about the Southwest division is that a lot of these games, you would think that they are familiar with each other and, and, you know, they would stop their game plan, but at least in the Southwest division, because, you know, the Rockets are in, I kind of follow closely is like we see a lot of these games do go over the total in these games. So, um, you know, we, 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 just some of the metrics for Dallas here, 16 and 12 against the spread on the road, 10 and five as a road favorite. So, um, you know, small sample size, but I, I, I kind of do like Dallas here tonight. Yeah. I like Dallas here a lot tonight, uh, as well. Um, they, you know, that these two teams matched up earlier in the year. Mavericks won that game by 10 without KP. Um, and yeah, I think that, I think there's, they're definitely superior coming off that, you know, pretty not ugly per se, but you know, an 18 point loss at home to the Sixers on, you know, prime time game. I think they come in here, get the job done. So I will definitely go with the Mavericks minus two here. Um, and I'm excited to watch this game. I mean, it's in, like Luca and Ja is kind of a sneaky, very, very fun matchup to have on your, on your television. So excited yeah. for this one. Um, let's go to Sacramento where the Washington wizards are in town. The wizards are laying two on the road. That, Screams like a mistake to me. Uh, two thirty nine and a half, very high total here. I will go with the Kings off the rip, just because you know this Wizards team. Yes, they've been up and down. Yes, they had some nice wins, but um, can't justify this road favorite spot. And I, I think the Kings, you know, they're okay. You know, obviously lost a ton of games, but we've talked about how they've been they've been uh, like this all year, seven straight losses, but been competitive. Yeah. I think they come home. Coming off that Utah New Orleans road trip with two close losses, I think they get it done tonight here. So I'll, you know, Kings plus two, and if you're, you know, plus one fifteen money line even as well, I will, I will grab that with the Kings here. Yeah, I think this is a toss up game for me, but um, you know, Sacramento being at home, we're, we're kind of wondering why Washington would be laying the, two, <clears throat> sorry, the two and a half on the road here. Um, I'm not sure if like their previous game where they played against Utah is kind of dictating this line maybe a little bit. I don't know, but you know, I mean, Sacramento has been bad. Like you mentioned, they've lost what seven in a row here. Um, the only cover the spread once in those last seven games. So I think that's another, that's another angle that's kind of, you know, built into this number on why Washington's favorite here. Um, I'll agree with you. I think Sacramento probably gets a job done here tonight against Washington, you know, definitely. Do you see if Bradley Beal is playing tonight or is he questionable? No, no word on Bradley Beal yet. You have Rashawn Holmes and Buddy Heald questionable for the Kings. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, still, I'll stick with the Kings here as a home underdog. You know, you kind of like taking these spots where, you know, teams are underdogs at home and against a Washington team. 
that, you know, at a record of 20 and 33 being favored on the road, you know, it doesn't kind of make sense to me. So I, I think they're probably their recent success or their, their recent win against Utah may be kind of built into this number, but a player prop I did like for this game as I, I got to continue backing uh, Russell Westbrook here. I mean, you take a look at his numbers. I think he's had like what five straight um, triple doubles here for the wizards. Uh, let me see if I can quickly pull this up here. He's been balling. I saw, I saw he had a, uh, he was talking some shit in that jazz, in that jazz wizards game. Yeah, that was a personal game for him because there was an incident where when he was when he we was playing the Rockets, that, yes. there was some chirping. So I think you know, like we've mentioned, that Westbrook will remember those games and kind of give it to teams. But uh, quickly here, six straight triple doubles for Russell Westbrook. But the one that I did like for tonight for Russell Westbrook was over on his uh, rebounds and assists twenty five. He's had he had twenty eight against the Utah Jazz. 25 against the Suns, 28 against the Warriors, 29 against the Orlando Magic, and 25 against the Toronto Raptors. So he's had a minimum of 25 in at least five straight games, and I'm going to continue riding that. And I think the total being uh, such a high number at 239 points, we'll see. Um, you know, we'll see a lot of up and down in this game, and then you know, I, again. If Rashard Holmes is not able to go for the for the Sacramento Kings, I think there's going to be even more rebounding opportunities for Russell Westbrook tonight. So Russell Westbrook rebounds and assists over 25. All right, there we go. And the last game on the slate for tonight, the Miami Heat are in Denver where the Nuggets are laying five points despite this being the first game without Jamal Murray. Heat, no injury report yet. They played late last night. Jimmy Butler mm-hmm. turned that angle, so I expect he'll be at least questionable here. Um, total at 211.5. I'll say off the bat, I kind of think Denver responds here. Yeah. Um, you lose Jamal Murray, but they're, they remember they've been playing without Jamal Murray, you know, right prior to this injury. They played five games without him, and they looked okay. You know, Compazzo in the starting lineup is a nice kind of counter. PC plays well, you know, will allows Will Barton and Michael Porter Jr. to look for their shot more. So I think they're going to be just fine, especially in the regular season um, without Jamal. So, and, you know, you kind of have that emotional bounce back here. Malone going to try to rally this team and the heat, you know, they, they started off really well in Phoenix last night, kind of faded out. I don't expect mm-hmm. Jimmy to play just because of the, how cramped this schedule is for the heat coming up. I think they do play, six games in nine days or seven games in 10 days coming up or something like that. So eight, yeah, they're in the midst of eight games in 12 nights. That's geez. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and, and obviously when you have that injury scare already, so I will go with the nuggets minus the five low total. Don't really have a feel for that, but where are you going with this game here? Last game on the slate. Yeah. hundred percent. agree with you. Uh, give me Denver minus the four here tonight. I think, you know, like you mentioned, Mike Malone will get these guys ready to play without Jamal Murray. And I think they want to kind of go out and play for Jamal Murray and, and, you know, just the horrific injury that he suffered. And um, so, you know, Miami and back-to-back situation here, let me quickly see if I can find that number for you on what their spread record is Uh, five and three against the spread in back-to-back situations. But again, the bigger question, like you just mentioned was, you know, is Jimmy Butler going to be able to go tonight when he, you know, turned and tweaked that ankle. So um, I'll hundred percent agree with you. Denver minus the four tonight, no opinion on the total either. Okay, 
Let's take our final break here to hear from our sponsors. Then we're going to go with our Atlantic Division check-in. Today's episode of the NBA Gambling Podcast is also brought to you by Riffer. Yes, the Sports Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network are now on Riffer. That's R-I-F-F-R. Riffer is your home to mini episodes and free picks from the SGPN crew. If you don't have time to listen to an entire episode, Riffer is the perfect quick fix for your podcast listening. Make sure to subscribe to the SGPN page by going to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Riffer, R-I-F-F-R. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Riffer. Okay, so coming back, uh, we're going to go debuting a new segment here um, on the NBA Gambling Podcast. Do we have a name for it? I I was thinking the divisional down low. What do you think of that? There you go. That that I that <laughs> I, I, I was I was very uh, happy to come up with that one. Um, so yeah, we're we're gonna be uh, and obviously this will continue into hopefully next season where we'll you know on these shows where we go through the nightly slate, it'll be a good way for us to kind of not get too caught up in the night by night betting um, and kind of give you guys more of that content that can stretch across a week or a month or so. So we're gonna start here with an alphabetical order with the Atlantic division that is Knicks Sixers Celtics Nets and Toronto um, we'll throw out uh, you know some statistics some performance and then uh, kind of get in talking about where these teams are at kind of what we what we've been seeing from them so do you want to start from the top let's start from the top let's start with the Philadelphia yeah. 76ers six and four in their last 10 10 games they have won two straight um, so, you know, kind of recovering here a little bit with Joel Embiid back in the lineup. I'll give you the post all-star break. They are third in the NBA in net rating 13, five plus nine. And on the season, they are 30 and 22 against the spread. Um, so a little bit above our expectations coming into the preseason moon where are you at with this Sixers team? You know, they've kind of been a little bit under the radar. It feels like as of late with dealing with Embiid coming in and out of the lineup, um, Ben Simmons now talking a little bit in the media saying he's defensive player of the year. I don't know if you caught that, Um, but Mm -hmm. where are you at with this Sixers team and um, what's kind of your forecast for them going into the playoffs? Yeah, I think for, for the Sixers, I mean, we got to give a lot of credit to the front office. Number one for, I think the, you know, the second best move of the offseason was the hiring of doc rivers for the Sixers team. And then, you know, them picking up Daryl Morey, who, you know, I'm familiar with, obviously, with the Houston Rockets, but he's a brilliant, um, brilliant mind. Um, as far as surrounding players around your your superstar players, and I think he did that very well with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons leading that front and then surrounding him with Seth Curry, Danny Green, guys that can shoot the basketball and also play defense. I think the biggest thing for me for the Sixers team has been how well they've been playing defense all season long. You yep. take a look over their five last 10 games, you know, they're number one in, in, in defensive rating. So it kind of starts with them on the defensive side. And we know that what they're capable on the offensive side, when you have a MVP caliber player with Joel Embiid, you know, for the, for the Sixers, as far as for the rest of the season, it, it, I think it just comes out to them being healthy, right? When you've had injury concerns with your two best players with Embiid and Ben Simmons, it's, it's going to have to be, have have these guys stay healthy and i think their second goal for the season will probably be um getting that number one seed like you mentioned i'm not sure that they want to face the milwaukee bucks in that second round so um 
at least if they want to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, I think they want to wrap up that number one seed or keep competing because Brooklyn and Philadelphia currently see are tied. So again, going back to tonight, Philly wins this game. They'll have a full one-game lead again. I did want to quickly run by you the division odds. Obviously, it's only a two-team two race here, but I'm kind of shocked to see that the Brooklyn Nets are favored to win this division um, at minus 133. You can get Philly at even odds to win this division, but and also kind of looking at the remaining schedule, um, Philly is right in the middle of the pack as far as hardest and easiest schedule, I think that's going to fall off a little bit when they play the Milwaukee, sorry, the Brooklyn Nets tonight. And then the Brooklyn Nets have the, let's see here, the eighth easy remaining schedule, sorry, the eighth hardest schedule remaining. So again, if you, if you like the Sixers here, you know, to win this division and kind of get the number one seed, getting them at even money right now, maybe, Maybe it may be worth a, a a bet to get down on, and then for the playoffs, you know, for me, if they get to the Eastern Conference Finals, I think that's goal number one. Oh, obviously, you know, getting the round one and round two wins, but getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, I think, would be success for this team because of the new coaching staff they've brought in, the new players that they brought in, the new front office guys that they've have. Um, obviously it's probably going to be against Brooklyn. Do they have enough to beat Brooklyn in a seven game series? I, I don't think so. So I think right now for me, their ceiling for the Sixers is going to be that Eastern conference finals. Yeah. I think what's interesting about the Sixers is that, you know, they haven't really been that good of an offensive team, especially, you know, since the all-star break 16th in the NBA mm-hmm. in offense. Um, yeah. And, and that's kind of, it's worrisome, right? Because in the playoffs, we see that, you know, levels are going to raise on defense. Everyone's going to be bringing that effort on the defensive end. So you have to kind of up your level offensively. I'm a little bit concerned about that in terms of the matchups though. I mean, I do think that Joel Embiid will be able to feast against anybody on the nets or the bucks really. I mean, so that, that kind of bodes well for Embiid on an individual level. That being said, I mean, I don't know if you're scared of a post player beating you in a seven game series and today's NBA. Um, so they do kind of need right. to get more, like you said, from the rest of this roster. And yeah, I mean, the one seed is definitely vital to them. Again, I, I wouldn't feel confident at all. I mean, I think the, the, the sort of the underrated thing is how, how, you know, the Celtics are starting to play a little bit better. The heat are starting to play a little bit better. Could those teams get back to their early season form and then, you know, push someone in the one four matchup. That's also going to be interesting mm-hmm. to potentially look into. But, yeah, with the Sixers, I mean, there is no doubt, and considering it's our first time doing this, it's worth saying, I mean, there's no doubt this season's been a smashing success for them so far. Um, yeah. You know, keep in mind, they were kind of in this gob of teams with the Celtics and the and the Heat and the Nets and the Pacers, and they've kind of emerged from that. Obviously, the Nets have as well, but they did it through personnel acquisitions. The Sixers kind of, you know, remade their team and – Doc Rivers, there's a lot of credit for that. So definitely the Sixers, very, very successful so far. I think looking ahead for them, it's really, yeah, they got to push to get that one seed. You want to avoid the Bucs in the second round. And that's, you know, how can his offense improve to the point where you can really keep up with a, a Nets or a Bucs in a seven-game series? Um, I think the, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to mention, I think the key guy for, for the Sixers going – at least into the playoff is going to be Tobias Harris and what he provides on the offensive end. And I think he may just have to score 20 points a night um, 
in the playoffs, at least for this team to have success, because we're not sure if Ben Simmons is going to be able, because he doesn't have a jump shot and he's reliant to getting to the basket and getting those easy buckets, that's going to be a guy that, you know, they're going to need to have to step up on the offensive end. And then the two shooters uh, with Seth Curry and Danny Green, you know, we saw Danny Green last season with the Lakers just did not have a good shooting performance in the postseason. So I think, Seth Curry and Danny Green, and then those those three guys that they kind of you know those two guys, right? And then Tobias Harris is going to be the key for for the Sixers in the playoffs. Yeah, and also there's, I mean, I'm glad you said that because there's there still is the omnipresent question of what does Ben Simmons do offensively in the playoffs? And yeah, they haven't answered it. I mean, they've done a really good job of you know kind of making their way through the regular season, but again, we said 16th ranked offense since the All Star break. Um, mm-hmm. We still don't know. I mean, is he going to be in the dunker spot? Is he going to be under the hoop? Is he going to have the ball in his hands? You know, what does he do when Joel Embiid has the ball in a post-up, which is what you're going to want to do a lot. So those are questions that are yet to be answered. Let's turn to the Brooklyn Nets, who are the team that, you know, obviously most people would have to win the Eastern Conference. 37 and 17 this year since the All-Star break. They are... Eighth in net rating. Obviously, they've had some injuries. The offense has been eighth as well. Defense has been kind of solid. Um, top, 13th in defense on the season against a spread 26 and 28. Um, obviously, with all the injuries, kind of hard to know what exactly what to make of this team. But I think we can start here. Are the Brooklyn Nets your title favorites going into the playoffs? You know, I think uh, I think for sure for them, the Eastern Conference, I, I think they are the favorite, at least in the Eastern Conference, to come out. I mean, do you? I mean, other outside of, I know you're a fan of the Milwaukee Bucks, but outside of that team, I don't see anybody stopping the Brooklyn Nets in the Eastern Conference. And as far as title odds, I mean, I want to say that the Lakers should still be the favorite because, again, still the defending champs. You still have Anthony Davis and LeBron James to come back from injury, so you know they're still going to be fresh. Um, in this playoff run, uh, but we'll get to the Lakers, you know, when we talk about that Pacific division, I mean, for Brooklyn, you have your, I mean, I think for, this is a one team where you can kind of throw the stats out the window, right? When you have James Harden, Kyrie Irving, um, Kevin Durant as your three scorers and your three guys on this team, I mean, it's going to be hard to stop these three guys. And we've said this before, if you're stopping one guy, another guy can go off. You know, if you're stopping the other, you still have two other options. And now they added LaMarcus Aldridge and, and Blake Griffin. They don't need those guys to be the all-star players that they've been in the past. They just need them to, you know, maybe score 10 to 15 points a night and kind of provide provide that support for, for this team when, you know, Harden, Duran, and Kyrie are kind of getting their rest. But in the playoffs, we'll see some of these guys, you know, play extended minutes. You know, James Harden's a guy in the playoffs that can go 40, 45, 42 minutes a night for you. I mean, he's done it for the Rockets. So the durability for him, it's going to be it's going to be key for the Brooklyn Nets. And then I think kind of going outside of that, I think two things that the questions are going to be for the Brooklyn Nets is number one, coaching, because Steve Nash, again, his first season as a head coach, doesn't have that playoff experience. Yeah, he has Mike Zach, Mike D'Antoni on the bench with him, but We've seen D'Antoni doesn't really have that success in the playoffs. So how how is he going to really, when when it comes down to it, how is he going to be able to make those adjustments in playoff series? Number one and then number two for me is going to be, are the shooters like Joe Harris and 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 TLC and then you know Tyler Johnson if he gets playing time, 
some of the shooters that they do have, are they going to be able to knock down their shots for them to kind of provide that support for the Brooklyn Nets? And, you know, when you, when you, like I said, going back to the the big three for this team, I, I'm not sure who's going to be able to stop them. And I, I think at least for the Eastern conference, they should be the favorite. Yeah. I'm, I'm very, this, this, this is fun. I, I, I have two questions I'm going to throw at you. I, I think okay. we're, we know that Joe Harris is probably going to be closing games alongside the big three, just because of how good of it, how, how good his shooting has been. His defense has been good as well, but he's just a lethal, obviously offensive player, especially when you combine him with that creation. Who do you think in a series against the Bucks or the Sixers will be the fifth game closer for the Nets? I mean, if they're smart on who it should be, it should be uh, it should be Claxton. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know because he provides that length. I mean, a six eleven guy. You're gonna need that rim protection, right? I mean, if you have Kevin Durant guarding Giannis, let's say they gets into that fourth quarter where it's crunch time, I'm pretty sure Kevin Durant is going to be guarding Giannis because again, Durant is a six ten six eleven guy with 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 crazy length. I think it has to be Claxton to have that rim protection. Number one. And and as rebounding also, right? Offensively, you're not you're not worried. But again, defensively, when you need those stops, you're gonna need a big body. So I, I think for me, it would have to be Claxton. The next guy would probably I mean my thing would be is that you need a big. So it, whether it's 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 Jordan or Claxton, I think those would be my two choices. Yeah, it's going to be very matchup dependent. Obviously, DeAndre Jordan did play well in that game against the Timberwolves yesterday, so not saying much. Yeah. But, I mean, they – and I think it's very interesting, Steve Nash, how they've kind of managed this regular season. I saw they've had 18 different players start games for them this year. Yeah. Um, you know, just so many different lineup combinations, different different combos every night. And while I do think that they're in a good position because all these guys have played and they've all played together a little bit, um, you know – in the playoffs, you have options, right? Like you said, because of matchups, but you also don't really know the answer to what you, what you do best and kind of what you do independent of the matchup. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think Jeff green is someone that I think is also potentially in that conversation to close games, kind of a small ball five. He doesn't bring that size, but I think he plays well alongside the stars. He's obviously been in the playoffs a lot recently. Um, Yeah. I don't think it's Blake or LaMarcus. I think if you have injury issues to one of your big three, then maybe you do want to get a little more offense on the floor. But between those three guys with Joe Harris spacing, I mean, you're pretty much guaranteed to get a good shot every time down the floor. I mean, that's basically unguardable, right? You can't help off Joe even an inch. Um, So I think, like you said, Claxton brings you that defense and and DeAndre Jordan's the other option there. I think Bruce Brown is someone in the earlier in the season, I think, the theory of him was nice because he can fill in that dunker spot. He can, you know, play finish, but he is really small, right? And you're going to need a little more size, especially against the Sixers. I think they're going to struggle with Embiid. You know, I don't think Embiid on his own is going to is going to score his way to winning a playoff series. They will struggle with that matchup. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, you know, mm-hmm. are you under the impression and, that these guys are just going to be able to turn it on playing together in the playoffs, despite the lack of experience they've gotten in the regular season. Yeah. So I think, I think at some point, whether it's five or 10 games left in the regular season, we're going to see these three guys have to, we have, have to, to play we have together. To, yeah. We ha- yeah. We, you have to see it, right. Because in the playoffs, it's a completely different game because number one you're going to be playing the better teams in the conference and number two they're going to be bringing their a effort 
against you. And I think Brooklyn Nets are going to have that target on the back from these teams because they want to say, number one, that we're going to bring our best effort and number two, be the team that knocked them out of the playoffs. When you, you knock out a team that has those three type of players, they're going to get their, they're going to get their best. So I think building that chemistry between, I think Harden and Kyrie already have that because they played games together when Kevin Durant was out. I think it's just incorporating Kevin Durant into what, you know, James Harden and Kyrie Irving had already built. And I think it'll be, it'll be an easy transition for them, I believe, because again, I think it'll depend on the rotation that Steve Nash incorporates, right? Because I think they're still kind of worried about the Kevin Durant situation with number one, he's coming off a huge, you know, injury of, of the Achilles. And then he had, he's a hamstring that kept him out for two months. So, you know, um, essentially we'll kind of want to see, how many minutes truly that these three have on the floor together. And I think that fourth quarter is where it's really going to matter. But I think, yeah, we're going to have to see at least a minimum of five games for these two teams to be together, uh, for these three players to be together on the floor to build that chemistry for the playoffs. Yeah, I think that that's true. I think, and you know, that could also coincide with this seeding battle with the Sixers. So the last week of the regular season in the East can be very fascinating. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, with the Nets, I could talk about them all day. I mean, I, I love all three of these guys. I, I think I, I think we're in agreement on that, or mm-hmm. at least these players on the floor. And I, I think what's so fascinating is, like, on paper, they should be the best team in the East, but there's also this specter of, like, they could beat themselves because their personalities are volatile and they haven't really played well. They haven't played together really at all. Yeah. Um, there's kind of that hanging out there, which is why I think even you and me both are kind of keeping our m- mind open to the Clippers and the Lakers coming from mm-hmm. the West. Um, let's go to Boston. Boston's a team that I think we, I've definitely struggled to get a feel for all year, starting to play some better ball as of late seven and three in their last 10 winners of four straight. They are going to sail under their win total. I think that's something else we could talk about. You know, they, they need to go, I think like 17 and one to meet their win total this year since the all-star break plus 3.8 net rating. Good for ninth in the NBA and feels like they are kind of making a little mini resurgence here surging up the standings mm-hmm. where, you know, we could get them in the heat in the four five, which would be awesome. Um, yeah, definitely. So, you know, a really nice win last night uh, in Portland, you know, they had that win in Denver the other day. Um, where are you at with this Boston team heading into the playoffs? Do they have a chance to make any noise in terms of, you know, getting back to that Eastern conference contender that we all thought they were. Remember, I mean, I keep going back to this. They were a favorite over the Miami Heat to make the finals yeah. last year and then a massive fall from grace. Yeah, I mean, rightfully so too, right? I mean, yeah. when you have two players like Jalen Brown and um, Jason Tate, um, you know, two of the rising superstars that are going to be in our league. And then you still have, you know, um, Marcus Smart, again, a guy, a great two-way player for, for the uh, Boston Celtics. I think between the Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors, these two teams have been one of the have been the two hardest teams to handicap this season because okay. we don't know what we we're, we're going to get from them, you know, night in night out. Um, but obviously, I think if they kind of put it together here in in, in this the stretch run, as we wind down the regular season, they've you know gotten like you said four straight wins here. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they're both playing well. Um, the one guy that they kind of still probably need to incorporate is going to be Evan Fournier. I know he's battling some injuries right now, but um, I mean, do I think they have enough 
to beat the Miami Heat if they line, they've got together as a 4-5 matchup, I would probably give the advantage to the Miami Heat because, yeah, they have this, this stretch right now where they're playing well Boston, but is that going to be enough to kind of translate into the playoffs? And I'm not sure it will because a lot of times we kind of take a look at what teams have done in the past and going to use that as a handicap for what they do this season. But this team has kind of been struggling all season. And again, if they do match up with, they say the bucks or the Philadelphia 76ers, they don't really have that true big man to kind of guard Joel Embiid or Giannis. And I think those two guys would feast against this Boston Celtics defense. I don't think Tristan Thompson is going to be that answer for them at six, nine. Um, so, you know, I think for Boston this season, it might just be a first round exit. Yeah, I, I, I would also take the heat over them in, in a series. I, I, you, you look at kind of the statistical profile behind this Boston team. Mm-hmm. The offense has been very, very steady all year, kind of hanging in this, you know, upper mid-tier offense. The, the, defense, the defensive improvement has kind of been what has, um, you know, launched them a little bit recently in their last 10 games, a 106.5 defensive rating, you know, opening up that net rating to seven points in their last 10 Um you know, and, and I think getting rid of Daniel Tice at the time, you know, felt mm-hmm. kind of like a weird move. But again, he's also not the kind of guy who's going to, you know, lock up a Joel Embiid either. So right. it was kind of a lateral move to me. You know, now you have the Robert and Grant Williams both playing. Um, that kind of gives you a different look, a little more energy, toughness, strength. I, I like Grant Williams. He's played well off the bench uh, on this winning streak. Robert Williams now the starting center. So they're kind of kind of mixing up with personnel a little bit, but. Yeah, I mean, I think to me, and and Marcus Smart obviously coming back has been big for them too. He's obviously you know that energizer bunny. Where are you at with Kemba going into the playoffs? I mean, he's kind of the wild card for this team. He was really playing well to start the night last night. Kind of struggled a little bit down mm-hmm. the stretch, but you know they acquired him to be a third star, and yeah. he hasn't really been that guy. It's going to pull up this on the season, averaging seventeen points, five assists not terrible, but also not the guy they they acquired him to be. And where are you at with him going into these playoffs? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, and I'm a Kemba fan, right? I love, okay, I didn't him know when, that. Yeah. I mean, you know, when he was with the Hornets, you know, I, I loved watching him play, you know, he, he's a guy that has that step back jumper and going back to his days at UConn, you know, yep. again, but he's kind of getting up there in age too, right? He's like one of the, at least on this Boston Celtics team, he's, he's, he's one of the older guys. He's just at 30 years old and, the question for him is, are his knees going to be able to hold up? And that's been the biggest concern for him since he's came into this, sorry, since the Boston Celtics acquired um, Kemba Walker. I mean, if you're able to get 20 to 25 minutes out of Kemba Walker and he's shooting effectively and efficiently, I think that will translate for the Boston Celtics to, to their success because you still, again, on the back burner, you still have Evan Fournier, and he's you know one of those streaky shooters um, we've seen over his career. So I think if you're getting some type of combination, I don't know how the rotation is going to work for Brad Stevens on how he handles Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier. Are they going to start together, or is you know Evan Fournier going to be the first one off the bench for for Kemba Walker? Um, that's going to be the interesting part for me. But again, going back to Outside of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, you're going to use a, a, a monumental effort from 
Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, and Marcus Smart to will this team to getting to the Eastern Conference Finals if if they if they even make it that far. And their second round matchup would would be against what the number one seed if they land up as a four or five seed against against yep. the Philadelphia 76ers. So um, do I give them a chance in that series? Sure, but I think going back to you know who's going to stop Joel Embiid, and I don't think anybody on this team can stop them. So I think for this team, their ceiling for this season at least is going to be the first round, and then again another team to keep your eye on in the off season if Danny Ainge finally has the balls to make a big move and, and get a third guy on this team. I mean, we've all been kind of waiting for that, right? Yeah, I mean, I think they the good they have some good vibes right now, but you know if this season ends in a dud, I think you're obviously going to have to endure an off season of speculation at least around Kemba and if not more so around, you know, did Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum work as a long-term core to maybe, maybe you move Jalen Brown uh, for, you know, some other, mm-hmm. other types of pieces. I mean, those are the questions that are going to be asked. And yeah, I mean, I think to me, Marcus smart is more of a lock to close games than Kemba Walker at this point. Um, for sure. You know, in terms of, you know, you have Tatum and you have Brown and then you, you have what, whatever big man they're kind of riding and then smart. I think Fournier has a, We'll, we'll have chances to close games over Kemba if, if depending on who's shooting hot, especially because mm-hmm. Tatum handles the ball so much for them in late game. Let's go to the New York Knicks. The Knicks are at 28 and 27, winners of three straight, five and five in their last 10. Already eclipsed their win total, uh, which you love to see. One of the best ATS teams in the league. And Tibbs has kind of been exactly as advertised, right? I mean, the Knicks, not no championship upside at all. But, mm-hmm. you know, they're probably going to be in the play-in or the playoffs. And, you know, the defense has been phenomenal and they're a tough team. And I think I was not bought into that vision of this team at all. But I have to say it's been fun at this point um, just to root for a winning a winning outfit. Um, I'll kind of kick things off here. I mean, I think Julius Randle, just so impressive what he's done on an individual level this year. Still mm-hmm. only 26 years old. That's kind of my major takeaway from the Knicks this year is, you know, they have him on a team option for next year. I think they got to get Julius Randle extended for the long term. Yeah. Him and RJ Barrett can play well together. Um, so between those two, I mean, that's nice. I think with the Knicks, they've kind of had just a bunch of wily veterans that are kind of just like, you know, giving them a good contributions, you know, signings like Alec Burks and Derek Rose and Elf Payton, Reggie Bullock. We've obviously already talked about how good Nerland Noel has been. Taj Gibson's also been phenomenal. So, you know, just credit to this front office for kind of what they've what they've put together. And mm-hmm. when you know, when I think when, when we look back at this season, and I think a good way to kind of evaluate is, you know, how easily they eclipsed that win total, how quickly they did it. I mean, this team has just been a very, very major expectation exceeder. You know, where are you kind of at with this Knicks team? Obviously, only good things to say about what they've done this season, but you know, how much do you really b- trust? the potential of, you know, an RJ Barrett, Julius Randall core in the long term, And could they make any noise in the playoffs this year? I would love to see the Knicks get into the playoffs as an eight seed. I mean, if they went up against Brooklyn, I think that would be a fascinating be awesome. series to kind of watch, right? Like kind of inner city, uh, uh, a series there. So, uh, and I think, you know, the Knicks could probably give some fits to the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, they could probably get a steal a game from them. Yep. Uh, but that'd be a fun series to watch. So I'm rooting for the Knicks to kind of get into the playoffs. I mean, I think this season is a great stepping stone for the New York Knicks' future, right? We've seen um, the, this, this, the culture of this, of this organization do a 180 with the hiring of, of Tibbs. 
because they were kind of the laughing stock of the NBA for 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 seasons like the the last couple seasons where you know the New York Knicks are going to be the New York Knicks, but. I think they have some, you know, obviously, like you said, I would want to build around Julius Randle and RJ Barrett. Um, and then after that, it's kind of like, okay, can they land a superstar player on the team to kind of pair with them? And then the question, like, you know, we've seen in the past where, you know, superstar players are kind of reluctant to go play f- in New York because of ownership or, or whatever the case might be. But, you know, bringing in Tibbs and kind of turning that culture around might help them, um, you know, bring bring that superstar player to, to this team. But as far as this season, you know, I, I think they, they, they can, you know, get into the playoffs here as an eight seed. You know, why not? I think they have the talent. Like you mentioned, Julius Randle's been playing really well. Nerlens Noel, like you mentioned, has been one of the best defensive centers as of late. Um, RJ Barrett's been playing well. Reggie Bullock, we haven't really talked about, who's been shooting the ball real well. Yep. Um, and then, like you said, you have their veterans in, in Todd Gibson and Derek Rose. Hopefully Mitchell uh, Mitchell Robinson can come back here soon, and then uh, you still have Obi Toppin as part of your future, also. So there's there's pieces on this team that if they do decide to make a trade here in the offseason uh, to get a superstar player or another all star player to kind of pair with RJ Barrett and Julius Randle, I think that that would you know be really fascinating to watch for this team. And um, for the rest of the season, like I mentioned, if they get into get the eight seed and play that number one seed against if it's Philly or Brooklyn. Um, that would be really, really fun to watch. Yeah, agreed. I mean, you look at the schedule going forward the rest of this year is very, very tough for the Knicks. I think, yeah. you know, they they really only have one or two easy games. And even those is like at, at Houston, home Toronto, I think every other game is against a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I think with the Knicks, Mitchell Robinson's free agency, obviously is something to watch this summer. And I'm, I think, you know, that'll be something to look at this offseason. But, you know, is it really worth bringing him back? I mean, he's basically doing Nerlens Noel is providing exactly that at, at, you know, a discounted rate. And um, Mitchell Robinson obviously wants to get paid the Obi Toppin pick just so frustrating. I mean, I keep going back to this. I, I do think, I do think that he, you know, has a chance, but obviously trending towards bust at this point. I mean, he obviously got this, the year started off with injuries and no summer league and all that, but keep in mind i mean this guy was the national college player of the year last year and he's an yeah. old rookie you know and right. you don't ex- so you expect him to come in and succeed right away with limited upside rather he's now being treated as an upside guy um who you know isn't ready to contribute right now i mean he was a theoretically the best player in the country last year mm-hmm. not doing much i mean imagine how much brighter this nick's future would be if they took halliburton at eight yeah um, and had Halliburton and, you know, obviously quickly as well. We haven't mentioned him yet. He's been a bright spot, some ups and downs, but an unquestionably great value where they got him at the 25th pick. Um, so, yeah, I think there are good vibes in New York. It'll be interesting to see where things go. And, you know, do they, it's kind of similar to how the Nets were, right? The Nets kind of built up this gritty culture of kind of a hodgepodge group of guys. And D'Angelo Russell and Karis LeVert were kind of their Julius Randle and then, they end up with a wholly different team, but you know, that's how you win a title or that's a pathway to winning a title. If you don't have the true upside. So last team in the Atlantic division, the very, very, very confusing. Like you said, the Toronto Raptors are 21 and 34, but somehow I still keep thinking of them as the fourth best team in the East. (laughs) Um, When I, when I, when I look at this team to bet them, I can't kind of get off my prior. I don't know why. Um, and with this team, and they kind of are a little bit lost right now, that Kyle Lowry trade deadline fiasco was crazy. I mean, in hindsight, the fact they didn't deal him um, 
very, very confusing situation. Pascal has struggled this year, even in terms of off the court, fighting with Nick Nurse. Fred Van Vliet, you know, he's taken another step forward. He continues to be that guy. Now you make the swap of Norm Powell for Gary Trent. Gary Trent's been good for them, um, as well as other guys. I mean, OG Ananobi was a guy everyone thought would take a superstar lead. That hasn't really happened. Still been solid on the defensive end. Um, you know, just a weird year for Toronto all around. Yeah. And wonder how much that has to do with them being in Tampa Bay instead of home. But yeah, where you kind of have with this Raptors team, obviously they're going to go under their win total. They're still chasing the play in, but likely not going to make it. What do you kind of make of this season for Toronto? And can they get back to being a playoff team as soon as next year? Yeah. I mean, I think this, this season for the Toronto Raptors, I think it's kind of going to be a, a throwaway season, right? Like you mentioned, because they're in Tampa Bay. I, I, I think that's, I think that is the number one factor of what the result has been for this team, not being at home in Toronto where they probably do have one of the best home court advantages when there's fans in the stadium. Right. And I think they're kind of missing that. I think uh, before we started talking about them, I was going to kind of say that it might be time to kind of blow this up and start from fresh, but I don't think Kyle Lowry will be on this team next season. Um, So then you're kind of building around Fred Van Vliet, who just recently signed a big contract with you. And then you still have Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi. Those are good starting pieces, right? I mean, we've seen where they 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 were key in that playoff series and their they're championship good. run. Obviously, you, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say they're they're it's a solid starting piece, but you still do probably need to find your best player, which is what I think you were about yeah. to say was that you Kawhi Leonard fits in perfectly when you bring in that alpha, but with right. just them, it's kind of just a amalgam of pieces. Exactly. So, like you kind of, yeah, like you just said who's is like, who's going to be the best player on this team. Right. I think that's the, and then that's what they kind of need to figure out. And I think that's where the, you know, the frustrations of Pascal Siakam and, and, and the fight that he had with Nick nurse. I mean, you have a great head coach, one of the best in in, in the league, I think, but now you kind of need to figure out whose team is this. Right. And I think yes. you need to build this around Pascal Siakam. OG Ananobi is a, is a great, uh, a, a great role player next to those two guys. And then when you have Fred Van Vliet probably going to take over the point guard duties, if Kyle Lowry's not there next season, now you still have role players like a Gary Trent Jr. that you traded for. And now you, your off season comes down to what pieces do you add, right? You need to go out and get a big man. Number one, I think is what they need to do and then build around those three guys. So I know I, I'm not going to, say that the Toronto Raptors are in trouble because of the results this season. I think like we go back to saying that because I think they're in Tampa and missing not being in their facilities back in Toronto. I think that has a big factor to do with it. And and then again, they're going to get a great, great draft pick. They have the fifth hardest schedule remaining in the season. So they should get a great draft pick, pick up another young player for this team and kind of build around these guys that we just mentioned. So, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not throwing away this Toronto Raptors team. I I think they will be back next season being a top four, top five team. Yeah. I I think that's a great point. I mean, you look at also, I mean, they're at Gary Trent. Hopefully they re-sign him. Malachi Mm -hmm. Flynn's a guy who's been emerging, Um, you know, Chris Boucher has a big, so they have, you know, plenty of pieces. I do think there will be a great case for them to be made as kind of the post hype sleeper going into next year. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, everyone kind of forgetting about them a little bit. Um, I was going to say, I mean, what's so 
what what's interesting about this team, and you mentioned how they can get a better draft pick by kind of taking out the rest of the series against this tough schedule. I mean, imagine though if you also had you know a Tyler Hero on this team, or yeah. you know a Tyrese Maxey and two first round picks added to the war chest, or yeah. you know a Duncan Robinson and a first round pick. I mean, they had those opportunities at the deadline, and you know what whatever it was that helped made them hold on to Kyle Lowry. Yeah. Um, that decision, I mean, it's kind of similar to the Aaron Gordon one where it's like you'd love to have that one back knowing what you, knowing what you know now, knowing that you're going to continue to lose games. Um, you know, if this team had a Tyler Hero, I mean, it'd just be so much more exciting going into next year. But I do still agree with you. They will be a post-hype sleeper. Um, anything else on the Atlantic Division? That was really fun. Um, our longest episode uh, in a while. No, no, that was fun. I mean, you know, we're going through these divisions every week. I mean, obviously we had a big slate tonight, so we went a little longer, but I think we do need to wrap it up with our best bets for tonight, right? Yeah, so let's, let's do it. Go ahead. Uh, I'm going to stick with that over in the Rockets game. You know, Indiana Pacers and the Houston Rockets, I currently see that 234. Uh, big number, but again, like I mentioned, going back to Indiana Pacers, I mean, they're getting up and down the floor. Um, you know, they're they're playing with a lot of pace, and then, you know, Rockets defensively have not been playing well. They're bottom three in the league over their past 10 games defensively. And they do have the offensive firepower with Kevin Porter Jr., Christian Wood, John Wall to put up points. Kelly Olenek, again, another guy we've talked about post-trade in that Victor Oladipo, Victor Oladipo deal has been playing well for the Rockets. So I'll take the over 234 in the Indiana Pacers and Houston Rockets game tonight. Okay, I like that one as well. I would definitely be on that. I will go with the Dallas Mavericks minus the two in Memphis. Um, you know, Mavericks coming off two straight losses. Hopefully you get KP back in the lineup. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I just think they're a superior team. I think this is a short number. Memphis been playing a little bit over their heads and, you know, kind of, you know, got that win against the Bulls. But I'm not sure how good I think this Memphis team is. Um, I like the Mavs to come in here and get this done on the road. And you had some trends to back that up. So my best yeah. bet for tonight is going to be Dallas. Also do like the Pelicans minus the two and a half and the Spurs at minus four and a half. Um, although I did just see a Mark Stein injury report, lots of Raptors action. So you might see that line pop back up uh, at while you're listening to this. Sounds good. Sounds good. Moon off. Where can people find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at sports nerd, eight, two, four player props will be up there. I do have a uh, article coming out tonight on sports gambling podcast.com with player props for Wednesday night. So be sure to check that out. Also, there you go. You can follow me on Twitter at NBA Zach B. Please join us in the conversation at SG.PN slash Slack. Continue to see those numbers tick up every single time I check. So love seeing that. Please subscribe, rate and review here. Uh, You'll be back with Titus tomorrow. Yeah, I think we're recording tonight. We'll get through the Thursday games and, you know, plug in some more of these uh, new segments we're trying to get in. So there you go. Um, looking forward to that. All right. Thanks, everyone. And uh, have a good one. Basketball. Give me, give me, give me the ball because I'm going-